Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through three media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are all now available at uh, smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Today's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear about. If you have a particular topic you would like us to uh, explore, send an email to me at dmazella at is-incorp.com. That's D for Donald, M-A-Z-Z-E-L-L-A at is-incorp.com. This this week we first focus on an often neglected marketing media, radio, and how small businesses can effectively and uh, cheaply use this media. We will then turn to a topic many of us don't think about, workplace violence and harassment. And then finally, on a happier note, we'll talk about PR and publicity and, and how it's so important to small business. And now, we welcome to the program Dave Newmark, CEO of Bid for Spots. Dave, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Don. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, we we start off every uh, guest by asking them a little bit about their personal background, so so our listeners know a little bit more about them uh, before we get into the topic. Well, uh, I'm happy to uh, give you a, a minute or so on that. Uh, I started in my father's ad agency right out of college, uh, Stanford University, and uh, launched Endorsement Radio, uh, which is a division of that company with my wife, Patty, who I met at Stanford in 1998. And then in 2004, uh, while Endorsement Radio was going strong, one of our clients uh, asked us about getting wide access to unsold radio inventory at discounted rates. And uh, frankly, it wasn't possible at the time, and that gave me the idea to start Bid for Spots. Well, that's um, well. Let's talk about radio before we get into um, uh, your uh, bid for uh, your company. But let's talk a little bit about radio as a, a vehicle for small business. Uh, sure. Wh- wh- why do you think it's? Uh, I happen to agree with you, by the way. I come uh, come out of radio myself, um, uh, but why do you think it's uh, a good viable media for small business? You know, um, I think that uh, the the place that most people listen to radio is key to answering that question. One of the reasons, Don, that it's most effective is that most people listen to the radio in their car. And um, 
that's a very special time to tell a company's story. So if you have a small business and you uh, want to be able to tell your company story about your product or service, when the consumer is in their car, they're relaxed, they're relatively undistracted, they're going uh, you know, to and fro uh, on, a, on a route that they're very familiar with, they're just open to new ideas and they're not uh, generally on their phone, they're not texting, they're not getting uh, IMs, they're not uh, you know, doing this and that, they're just uh, listening. And the second reason is that radio uh, is really uh, massive in terms of its reach. A lot of people don't realize this, but it reaches about 92% of the population across all age ranges. And there's thousands of radio stations that do this. Fortunately, at Bid for Spots, we make it easy to access all of those stations, and the advertisers don't have to do any work to negotiate with any of those because it all happens in our system. But uh, broadly speaking, I think that um, the fact that it's so big and it's so targetable by age demo and by format and by market, um, it, it's really effective. Well, um, uh, let's let's uh, start with someone uh, who's got a a, a product, uh, a new product. Uh, how can how can radio expand their 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 reach? to inform people about their product? Um, Most local radio stations air 60-second spots, and so you have 60 seconds to essentially tell the story of that product. I would imagine that a a good place to start would be to have the founder or inventor of that product uh, tell the story in their own words. And, in fact, at Bid for Spots, we can help advertisers create commercials for, uh, you know, uh, basically next to nothing in terms of cost and uh, get them into a studio and write the spot for them. But what we would do is we would have the uh, person who's got that product uh, present a problem and a solution. In other words, let's say that it was a, um, I'm just making this up, but the product was a uh, revolutionary window washing device. Uh, so what they would say is, um, you know, have, and I'm making this up on the fly, obviously. Have you ever, state the problem, have you ever wanted to wash your windows uh, that were high up, uh, you know, been too high to reach, uh, but you just couldn't reach them and you were scared to get on a ladder? Uh, well, uh, we've solved that problem. We have the telescopic uh, window washing magic device wand or whatever, you know, and, and it's and it's fantastic and you can get it by going to this website and so forth. So you do a problem and a solution in a very specific way so that you're telling the story of that product. That's really interesting. Um, it's interesting you you uh, picked that that product because I have exactly that problem. Uh, <laughs> I have some windows. <laughs> so well, you know, yeah, uh, actually, Don, uh, the, the, going to that whole problem solution thing, I, if you don't mind my sort of uh, pivoting a little bit to that, uh, you know, th- most small businesses have the problem, I'm going to do a little commercial here, which is that they have a problem in that they have tight ad budgets. And radio advertising, you know, frankly, seems too difficult to buy, especially with 11,000 radio stations. And so um, at Bit for Spots, that's what we try to do, is we try to make the whole process really easy and cost-effective. We set up their auctions, and uh, on Thursdays, thousands of stations log into our website, and they start bidding the rates downward uh, and those who bid the lowest win the advertiser's money. So it's a bid process. I was going to. Well, let's go into. Uh, oh, <clears throat> this would probably be a good segue. Um, I, uh, I'm a small business. I have a budget. Let's say arbitrarily ten thousand uh, mm-hmm. um, dollars. 
I say I need, and I needed, say, in uh, what uh, the New York metropolitan area, which is where we are, which is the most one of the most expensive areas. I could go on there and theoretically get uh, uh, good coverage for that amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a New York uh, business, but you you did, uh, let me ask you a question as a follow up. Is your business uh, that you're thinking about for for small businesses are they local businesses? Or do they do business uh, throughout the region or nationally? Well, that's an interesting point. Um, uh, we pointed out that um, uh, the average business uh, uh, area of coverage has gone in the last three years from 50 uh, miles uh, up to 85 miles. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's one way of looking at it. But uh, but a lot of our listeners are people who uh, have a product they want to sell nationally. That's right. And so for those companies, um, it can seem overwhelming in terms of uh, how to negotiate with radio stations and get uh, you know a good value out of it. So um, what we do at Bid for Spots is we uh, uh, we would take that ten thousand dollars and we would let's say invite. Uh, thousands of radio stations to compete for it. What we're known as, Don, is a reverse auction. In, in a reverse auction, the it's the lowest price wins. In most people, they think of an auction, they think of the buyers bidding and the highest price wins. But at Bid for Spots, radio stations bid for the ad budgets and the lowest prices win those budgets. And then the auctions, uh, you know, they take place on a Thursday and then the spots air the next week. And our staff um, handles everything. Uh, the advertiser, the small business person, does not have to do anything. So um, in this case, let's say you've got a, a company that makes a product or a service and they want to sell it nationally. Uh, they happen to be based in New York, but they've got $10,000. So uh, what we might even suggest is to do uh, $2,500 a week for four weeks. And um, that way they get the consistency and they build momentum and uh, you know get to uh, people who are further down the, the road in terms of the uh, adoption curve, like maybe they're part of the late majority and they, they take a while to, to accept a message and all that. Um, but we would invite those thousands of stations to bid, and um, these small business owners would be very surprised what bid for spots can deliver in terms of, uh, of value. It's, it's te- typically about 90% off the rates. Really? Really. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, sitting. When I when I heard about you, we invite people on this program uh, and companies that we think have value. And when I when I uh, first when uh, your company first came across my desk, I thought it was a great opportunity because I'm a great, obviously a great believer in radio because we're on radio right now. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, but. But over-the-air radio, uh, I think, is a, a tremendous opportunity for small businesses, and, and one that's sadly neglected in this era of social uh, media. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason uh, I think uh, – thank you very much, Don. I, I think the reason why it's been widely adopted and is uh, so successful, frankly, is that we've figured out um, how to crack the code to get both the buyers and the sellers what they want. As you point out – um, small business owners want to get value. They want to get a lot of audience for as little money as possible, and there's nothing wrong with 90% off. And for the stations, you might wonder, well, how do the, how do the radio stations find that to be a win? And the answer is uh, we wait until the last minute. We do these auctions on Thursday, and we stay out of their way 
beyond the following week. We let the stations try and sell their inventory at the highest rates possible. But frankly speaking, when it's they're staring at their you know, empty ad slots on Thursday for the following week, and most of the regular ad buyers have uh, left the store, uh, there's not a whole lot of options. And uh, they're willing to, to drop the rates and go into this reverse bidding environment uh, because they know that we will protect them in terms of rate confidentiality. So I'll explain that for a moment in to, say, to say that uh, the, the small business advertiser will get on a, a bunch of stations and they'll know what stations they're on and the, rate, and the, the uh, spots are guaranteed to run during the day parts that they've worked out and everything, but they will not see the actual spot rates on each station. By withholding that um, information and keeping it strictly confidential, we protect the station so they feel comfortable going as low as they need to go in order to win in the bid for spots system. Well, you know, in, in radio, uh, in radio, there's the drive times, uh, there's the daylight hours, and the differing audiences there, and there's the nighttime uh, hours. Um, what advice do you give a, a small business? Uh, uh, should they uh, pay for drive time and ask for only drive time, uh, or should they ask for a mix? Um, we have the time, and I'd like to, you to help educate our audience. Uh, sure. Because I, I believe uh, radio is, it has its own uh, tribal rules, and uh, uh, we should be try to help them as much as possible. So what do you suggest? And let's say the product is um, uh, a new vitamin supplement. Um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to this uh, this hypothetical you're bringing up. It's, is this supplement geared toward men or women or both? Uh, both. Let's leave it both. Okay. So we have the broader. And how about background. the how about the age how about the age demographics? Uh, is this supplement geared toward uh, you know people on the younger uh, part of the age spectrum, the middle part of the age spectrum, or older? Uh, skewed older. Let's let's okay. do that. Skewed skewed old, older. All right. Well, to, to answer your question about this hypothetical, uh, you know, uh, whether it makes sense to go into the morning drive or the midday or the PM drive, um, I would say that it, it uh, ultimately comes down to uh, a couple of things. The first is, when do you think people are most responsive? And uh, frankly, mo in radio, most people are uh, most responsive during the morning drive times. Now, that also happens to be, for most stations, the highest rated uh, time of the day, so the rates would be uh, proportionate to the amount of audience that's uh, in there. What we do at Bid for Spots is to take the audience information, let's say adults uh, 50 plus, for example, in this case, and we would let we would let the stations put in their rates, but we know what their audience thousands are, meaning we know how many uh, adults there are 50 plus. So what the system does is it instantly calculates. To, in order to have a level playing field, the cost per 1,000 listeners. So station A is competing with, competing with station B, is competing with station C, all on the basis of just the cost to reach 1,000 listeners who are adults who are over the age of 50. And we buy that audience data. The, uh, the stations are putting in the rate, and it, it marries the rate with the thousands and comes up with this number of this cost per 1,000, and that's the basis of the competition. And those stations who bid with the lowest cost to reach each 1,000 listeners 
are the ones who get the advertiser's money. Well, you, you certainly answered a lot of questions that I had had about it. Uh, let's go, uh, if you have the time, let's let's go a little deeper into this because uh, um, I, I think we're educating uh, a great part of our audience on, on this. But um, we're, we're, we're sitting there with a small business owner. How much of his budget should he devote to a um, to to radio. I, I know uh, it's an open-ended question, but it's one that comes up. Right. Um, well, I think that um, the, the amount of money that a, an advertiser should, um, you know, devote to radio advertising um, would be uh, consistent with response, and I think you'd want to test creative. And then you would want to, um, you know, ramp your spending once you know that that creative uh, works. Uh, at Bid for Spots, one of the things that advertisers do is they test using different phone numbers. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say that you have um, creative approach A, which is a testimonial from one of your customers. And that, what you can do is you can say, um, for more information, call 800 Five 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 five. Obviously, it's not that number, but it's you know some some eight hundred number. And then let's say a separate commercial um, has the owner voicing the spots, and so you want to see well which one is more effective. Is it better to have the owner do the spots, or is it better to have um, a customer testimonial? And that might have eight hundred three 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 three. So you look to see what the response is. And um, so uh, what we do at Bid for Spots is we will uh, put in the uh, rotation of the order. Uh, we'll say, please rotate spot A and spot B and spot C, and then the advertiser can see and we can see which one is getting the most traction. And then once we see which message is working the best, then we ramp up the spending, which goes to your original question, uh, you know, with the creative that works the best. Well, that, uh, and, you, and phone numbers are a great way to do that. What about offering um, some sort of uh, f uh, free... Uh, trial subs subscription or, or free a booklet or something like that. Does that work? Uh, it works if it's scalable. Um, one of the things that we find at Bid for Spots is that um, a lot of advertisers do what is known as a two-step. So they will do something like come to this website and watch this video or call for a free information packet. Um, and then people call, and that's the, the first step, and then the second step is that the advertiser then contacts the person who signed up for the free goodie and then, um, you know, makes the sale that way. Uh, how, how, again, uh, a lot of people um, hear a commercial, don't, don't do anything. They hear it the second time, think about it, and they hear it a third. How, how important is repetition uh, in, in radio? Um, it's uh, it's less important than you think. I think that the most important thing is to be able to, um, you know, get value out of the buy and then and and hone your message and and see what is getting traction and then uh, focus on repetition. I think that um, you know it, it's a, a lot of people wonder uh, about that and I I think that uh, but the the bigger mystery is just how do I get on the radio cost-effectively? I think that's the big question that people ask. And, you know, one of the things that we're really proud of at Bid for Spots is being able to present 
advertisers with that access to all of those thousands of radio stations throughout the United States at dramatic discounts. And we're also really proud of the fact that we are a solution for the radio station industry because we're, you know, frankly, we're a lifeline to these stations because they're we're contributing to their revenue. And the and the the third thing is that we uh, are able to hold the advertiser's hand through the entire process, something that most small businesses have never really had before, and they don't know anything about radio advertising at all, and they they can't believe that they get the kind of service uh, that we provide to every advertiser at every spending level. Well, I have to tell you, after booking booking you for this show, I happened to run into one of your customers who was singing oh your praises. Oh, good. Uh, one of your clients. Uh, because, uh, as she uh, said to us, uh, you, you pushed her, you, uh, your company pushed her through the whole process, and uh, she uh, she found it very effective. We tried before bringing people on this program to to identify customers or people who have used the product so we know that when we're talking to them and talking to our audience, uh, we're giving them uh, good information. And people, uh, and this particular customer, was, who you didn't give to us but I happened to run into, said very high things about it. Oh, I'm so glad, and, and uh, that makes me feel great that we were able to help that advertiser. Thank you. And, and you know, at Bid for Spots, we um, understand that every business that comes to us um, comes to us with the desire to get their story out, and we're um, very anxious to help them get their story out cost-effectively. Well, uh, if people want to reach you and reach your company, how do they do it? Well, um, we have a toll-free telephone number, and I'll give it to you. It's 866-326-7788. And uh, we have uh, representatives. They're uh, non-commissioned. They're just here to help uh, all over the country. Uh, and uh, you know, they're there to talk to you and, and to help you through the process and understanding what we do at Bid for Spots. And the other is to go to the website, which is... Uh, I'll spell it out. It's B as in boy, I, D as in David, uh, the number four, S-P-O-T-S dot com. And if they wanted to talk to you? Well, uh, you know, uh, they can call the number, and uh, and uh, they'll. And if I'm around, then uh, they're certainly welcome to uh, talk to me. They're, you know, the whole staff knows how to get a hold of me, certainly. Well, we thank you uh, for what I think is a very illuminating uh, discussion, and uh, good luck. And uh, perhaps you'll come back again and talk more about radio. It would be a pleasure and an honor, Don. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye. We'll be back uh, and talk about workplace violence after this commercial. Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2HSA.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2HSA.com. That's 2HSA.com.
Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidence of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's protectivecountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Hello. Hello, and welcome back to Small Business Digest Radio. I'm Don Mazzella, and we have on the phone Brent O'Brien to talk about workplace violence. Brent, are you on? I am, Don. Hello, how are you? And welcome to the program. Um, Thank you. uh, Brent, we always start off uh, by asking our guests a little bit about their background. I noticed from your biography that uh, you've been in the industry a long time, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, so I've been uh, in the security industry for 15 years in the human resources world for a few years longer than that. Um, originally from the Chicagoland area, but uh, now out in Philadelphia, and uh, started working with this organization, Allied Barton, back in early of 1998, and uh, have been with it ever since in a variety of roles, primarily in human resources, but uh, I'm currently the Vice President of Learning and Development with the organization. Uh, you sent a, um, came across my desk about it, and, and you want um uh, it's a topic that we've written about several times, workplace violence and uh, harassment. How did you get involved with that in particular? Well, it's mostly from my human resources days, uh, spending many years in that field um, before moving over into this learning development field, and always uh, most of that time, uh, at least 15 years plus, in the security industry side of it. Those two, security and human resources, are usually the two disciplines that deal with workplace violence in any organization. It's either one or the other. And uh, so I've been able to have a foot in both and uh, can can come at it from a perspective. Usually the, the perspective I bring to the topic is from uh, the human resources side a little bit more than the security side. Um, but uh, I think it's a, a fascinating topic and a topic that we as an organization have been able to um, address proactively uh, throughout the nation and are continuing to do so. Well, let's talk about it. Is it a growing problem? Well, the problem is growing. It's growing in the number of incidents that are occurring, um, according to most reports that you'll see, uh, the latest from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there are over 2 million cases per year in the United States of workplace violence, and we think, well, I don't hear about that many cases. I, you know, I may, may hear about a few on the evening news here and there, but uh, not very often. Uh, but uh, most of those cases are the lower level, the bullying, harassment type of workplace violence. And even the two million number is likely a low number because many. Uh, as an article I wrote, recently wrote about, many of the uh, incidents are not reported for a variety of reasons. But uh, the number of incidents, number of deaths related to workplace violence has stayed steady the last couple of years uh, at around 500 or so. 
500 people have died in workplace violence. Yeah, in 2011, it was uh, 458 was the exact number. 2012 numbers have uh, not been solidified yet. I believe they will be coming out in August. You're right. I mean, I, I read a lot in uh, news. Uh, I hadn't realized I hadn't realized the problem. What are these incidents like? Are they uh, against supervisors, against other employees? Um, uh, how do you define a, a workplace violence? Well, first of all, the workplace violence is a rather broad spectrum and includes a, a broad spectrum. And, and one that I just mentioned, it could be threats or bullying it, and all the way up to physical violence, including death. Um, but there are essentially four types of workplace violence, and this is why we don't always think of things. Oftentimes we think of things as workplace violence related to a supervisor or a termination, but uh, the four types or four categories of workplace violence, the first one is criminal intent. And so this one is rather common. In fact, most of the higher level um, incidents, the, the incidents that involve violence of some sort are in this first category of criminal intent. And those would be examples like bank robberies. Bank robbery is considered a workplace violence because it is taking place at a workplace and a work site and involving employees. And again, uh, this is just one example, but uh, anytime you're dealing with money, it increases the likelihood of workplace violence that you might have, and so uh, especially related to the level one or type one uh, criminal intent. The type two are have been increasing in popularity, unfortunately. Those are the patient, client, or customer uh, related incidents, and so more and more common in hospitals and nursing homes, um, home health care is another one. We don't often think about home health care, but there is workplace violence, uh, a significant number in, in the home health care industry. And so uh, this would be the level two, uh, type two, um, the, again, the client, patient, or customer. And the type three is the one that we generally think about, and that is the worker on worker. So it could be a supervisor to an employee, employee to a supervisor, or employee to employee. And uh, often the one that when, when I go around the country and speak at seminars about this topic, this is one, uh, the, the first two categories I talked about, the criminal intent and the patient-client-customer um, types of workplace violence are more difficult to, to discover in advance, more difficult to define um, what might be leading to that, what warning signs might we have seen, whereas type three, the worker-on-worker, worker, uh, is the, an area that we can address more proactively. And uh, these are the ones that are uh, also somewhat common and the ones that we hear about from time to time in the news. And then the fourth and final category of workplace violence is domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Uh, this is also a significant concern. Oftentimes when you hear about a workplace violence incident, you will hear something related to uh, a former girlfriend, former boyfriend, former spouse, divorce, something along those lines. Uh, that the challenge with that fourth one is there are some warning signs, and we, we can work with that proactively. Um, however, the, the challenge is when there is a, a split up, a divorce, a separation in that relationship, and that person, oftentimes the female, that person um, escapes from that, uh, that their partner, the only place that that partner oftentimes can find her 
is at her workplace. And so that puts uh, organizations in jeopardy in these type of situations. So uh, companies need to have clear procedures and policies related to that. So those are the, the four, again, the, the uh, criminal intent, uh, patient, client, customer, the worker on worker, and domestic violence. Well, then let's talk about that. Um, our audience are small businesses, and um, uh, what should what the, should the warning signs be? Um, that would be one question. And the other one uh, would be uh, what what they can do. But what are the warning signs of that potential dangers? Well, beyond warning signs, so for any business, small business or otherwise. Uh, you want to look at each of those categories and see where would we potentially be vulnerable. So criminal intent, where would we be vulnerable in this case? Do we handle money? If so, what measures do we have in place to ensure the safety of those individuals who handle money? I uh, Many years ago, before I got into this industry and human resources, I managed a coffee shop in downtown Philadelphia. And um, as the, the manager of that coffee shop, one of my roles was to take the the uh, the wad of cash and walk it three blocks up to the bank and deposit it to the bank uh, every night and that's that's dangerous right there and so organizations need to think about are there better ways to do this are there other ways to handle things like money um, also related to criminal intent they can look at um, do do they need we're a security company I, I work for a security company and I believe strongly in the power of uh, the presence of security professionals uniformed security officers at locations to deter, proactively deter crime from happening. Um, and, and along with that, we can look at other measures, um, camera systems, um, you know, are there enough windows or open space within the, the building is uh, using things like cap index to determine what is the crime level around the area where we're setting up our new business are all important things to do. Um, same thing with the, the patient piece of it. If you're in a medical field of some sort, what measures are in place to prevent um, violence of any kind from occurring? And then the worker-on-worker worker, uh, warning signs, there are some that are uh, relatively common across the boards, but all of them fall into one category primarily, and that is we are by nature uh, consistent in our behaviors as human beings. And when an individual that we've hired starts to become inconsistent in their behaviors, something is going on to cause that. Something is triggering that. And that trigger may also trigger some sort of workplace violence. Not necessarily, but it should be a warning sign. Oftentimes they're associated with familial problems at home. Um, a drug or alcohol abuse that may spill over and we may see that in the workplace. Some sort of a fascination with weapons that has gone well beyond the, the common. Um, a, a failure to adhere to, to common safety practices in an organization. Clear, strained relationships that an employee may have. These are all things we need to, leaders of organizations, small, medium, large, need to look at and see if they can address proactively. And then on the domestic violence and the, the type four category, uh, these are similar, somewhat similar to the, the last one, but you know, oftentimes you'll see someone who may have bruises 
um, or marks that are unaccounted for or unexplained. Um, they may wear heavier clothing to cover up some bruises in, in a summer day, on a summer day, which would be unusual. Um, they may get uh, harassing calls or emails, um, and all of these could be areas that we could step into potentially uh, ahead of an incident happening and address them. Well, um, uh, a, a small business or any business for that matter, what is their liability in all of this? Well, that's a, it's a great question. There's a, a why, a big why hanging out there when it comes to workplace violence. Why should I care? Why is this important to me? I have a business to run. I have a you know, P&L to watch or budget income statement to watch. I need to make profit here either for myself as a small business owner or for any investor that may be in my organization. And there are a couple of whys. One is that under the OSHA Act, uh, Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970, there is an obligation that organizations have to provide a safe working environment for our employees. And failure to do so can lead to significant fines. So usually the, the first fine is rather small, um, and then uh, the next fine uh, usually at least quadruples or beyond that, and, and then they continue to go up. So um, there is a, an obligation that we have. But beyond that, if we just look at the productivity impact of a domestic violence or a worker-on-worker -worker violence, uh, even the lower level and the bullying or harassment that may happen um, and the impact, the negative impact that can it have on the productivity of each one of your employees. It, and it trickles down. It's not just the person who's, who is uh, harassing or who is part of uh, the victim of workplace violence. It's those around him or her as well that get impacted by that and affected by that. Um, and it also impacts the, the culture. And, and this is really uh, what a, I wrote a recent article uh, titled, See Something, Say Nothing, how culture trumps policy and its impact on workplace violence. And, uh, you know, our, our culture, every culture in an organization, small business or otherwise, if you said, as you've said, uh, is impacted by the culture. We often say, all right, I'll deal with workplace violence. I'll write a policy or I'll get together with some professionals at Ally Barton and we'll work with, we'll get some security out there, uniformed officers, and then we'll work on getting some policies in place regarding workplace violence. Well, um, as I've said in the article here, the policies will be trumped 10 times out of 10 if the culture and the policies are not aligned. So if the culture allows for behaviors like bullying and harassment within the organization, oftentimes from the top down, then the, the policy isn't going to mean much because people aren't going to uh, feel safe and they're not going to feel like they can report things uh, when, when issues come up. And again, then you're going to have a culture that is um, not sharing information, not um, driving toward uh, the results that every company wants, and that is increased profitability. Hmm. Uh, the name of your company? Allied Barton Security Services. And um, if the, uh, our audience wants to know a little bit more about, about this, um, can they uh, uh, find it on your website or through you? No, they sure can uh, go right to our website, and there's some great information there as well as opportunities to contact us through Allied Barton 
com. That's alliedbarton.com, and we'd love to, to be able to help you or talk with you about workplace violence or any security measures related to that. Well, um, before before we let you go, um, what would you say are the two things uh, small uh, any uh, company manager should keep in mind um, in terms of workplace violence? Impact your culture. Make sure you have a positive culture and an open culture. That is the most important, in my opinion, uh, related to workplace violence. Is not that you know? Do we know the warning signs? Those are important as well. But first, if you have the right culture in place, and culture is dictated by the leaders of the organization, including the business owner and in any other leaders they may have under him or her that are, are part of impacting that culture. That's most important. Make sure you've got the right people and the right um, attitude uh, to develop the culture that would allow for an open and productive environment, and that's number one. And number two is uh, you do want to proactively address the issue of workplace violence by making sure your employees are trained. If they don't know what to see, if they don't know that that was a warning sign that they just saw, and and secondly, if they don't know how to report that or to whom they should report that, then you are increasing your vulnerability. So make sure that you're training your employees. Once that culture is in place, make sure you're training your employees on some of the basics that we've just discussed on this topic of workplace violence. Thank you for a very... uh uh, thought-provoking, thought in my case, a little fearful uh, thinking about a, a very important topic. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you, Don. Our next guest is from the PR side of, of the house, uh, a m- much more positive side, Um uh, we welcome uh, uh, Vicki Southard of the PR Group. Vicki, are you on? I'm on. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Well, um, well this this show this is the first time I'm doing the show all by myself, and so far so good. Um, <laughs> uh, Vicki. Uh, we'll start by uh, asking a little bit about, we always ask our guests a little bit about themselves before we talk about their subject. Sounds great. So we'd um, like to know a little bit about you. <laughs> Thank you. So I am uh, a publicist. Um, I started the PR group. Um, as far as business goes, we started the company. I co-founded it uh, with my husband. 20 years ago now. So the um, so our company has developed into an active PR firm um, over the last 20 years, maintained, um, you know, a good number of clients. We still work with our first client. Um, previous to that, how I learned about uh, publicity is, um, well, first of all, I attended San Jose State University and their business school, and that is in the heart of Silicon Valley. So I was employed by, um, you know, high-tech companies in those days um, to um, develop publicity uh, while I was going to school. It was it was sort of a part-time job. So anyway, life life um, 
has many, many twists and turns. And honestly, I never thought that I would start a PR company. Um, but I ended up in Florida, and it seemed like a good idea at the time about 20 years ago. And so here we are. Uh, um, 20 years later. Yeah. First off, okay, uh, let's talk about PR first. Uh, our audience are small business uh, leaders. Primarily, mm-hmm. so uh, how do um, why PR for a small well, business? Yeah, exactly. So how like why and how does publicity and public relations fit into a small business? You know, publicity and public relations is probably one of the uh, first promotional areas that a company should uh, engage in, and not all. Companies know that or understand it. Um, you know, we all understand advertising. Um, we understand advertising mostly because we're hit with ads all day long, from billboards to radio ads to, you know, magazine ads. But PR and publicity is more of a creative method of promotion. And so we we don't really see what it is or understand what it is unless we studied it or we have experience with it. And the key reason that publicity is important to a business or a growing business is because it builds a brand. When you um, are able to build a brand, you are then, after that, you are then able to advertise. Because advertising, um, unless you've got a huge ad budget, um, you... As a small business, you generally can't afford to advertise as much as you need for the length of time that it takes to explain what your business is. So what I mean by that specifically is publicity builds a brand and advertising maintains a brand. And um, um, so what we usually say and our clients we work with um, understand that to buy a 10 or 15 minute ad is much more expensive than being able to go on the radio such as what I'm doing with you and explain what we're what we're doing. So, this is this is where publicity or public relations is really important to a small company or a growing company um because it allows it allows an education to take place. Does that make sense? Well, that's a that's an excellent. I always say uh, uh, <coughs> uh, appearing on in a, a media is a third party endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, it is a third party endorsement. Um, it's an endorsement that you can't get with advertising, and because of that. It's very important to a growing business because every growing business needs needs an endorsement. Well, that's that's very true. But now let's let's talk about the ways that you can get publicity. Uh, and uh, let's start with a, a company that's just opened its doors and has a new widget. Uh, uh-huh. What should they? What should they? Um, well, first off, what? Uh, what what should they be looking for in a PR agency? Ah, okay, good. Um, the most important 
I think the most important aspect for a PR agency is how much time can that PR agency spend working with you or with your widget, with your product, with your service. Because the business model of a PR agency is to um, is to build a client and give that client as much time as possible in a day, you know, or in a week or a month, however long the the uh, agreement is for, in order to build media relationships, in order to get that client in newspapers, on TV shows, on the radio. So I think the most important thing is how much time can the client spend with you? How loaded are they already with with other clients? And then for that amount of time that they're able to spend with you, what are they going to, you know, what what, what are their fees? What are they going to bill you for that time? Well, so it becomes, then the next question. It, it becomes a bit of a triangle, you know, because every every small business wants to, you know, the answer to that is, well, we want as much time as possible. <laughs> you know, we want to get as much time as possible. We want people, we want our publicist um, on the phones building relations for us with the, with the media. Um, it's just that that then becomes, okay, well, how much can the client um, pay for that time? Well, that's very true. But let's take it to the next step. Um, what what should a, um, a, a small business expect? Um, uh, and let's take a... Uh, a product which we mentioned earlier. Let's say they've come up with a new vitamin supplement. Um, mm-hmm. How uh, how can uh, a small business um, uh, uh, measure uh, uh, what the PR yeah. uh, company has done? Yeah, exactly. Okay, well that's a that's a great example because. Um, Supplements, vitamin supplements, happens to be one of the areas that we specialize in. So that was this is really good. I can give you this info from my own experience. Um, you know, the job of a publicist is to get a, a company on the air, get them uh, printed in magazines and newspapers. So let's say you have a new vitamin supplement and you want to. Um, you know, get onto radio shows to explain what that vitamin supplement is. You want to get, um, you know, show your product on magazine-type TV shows to explain what your product does and the benefits of it. And, you know, magazine and newspaper articles also. Also, there's there's a lot of opportunities now with online placements. So the best measurement then becomes, okay, how many uh, minutes, how many radio shows, how long were the radio shows, how many TV shows, um, how many articles, how many um, pages online did you increase. And, um, you know, the key to starting a publicity campaign is usually a press release. And so, you know, how well is that press release written? How does that um, duplicate what, what your message is? You know, so those those are ways that that people, businesses generally measure, um, you know, the 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 end products, basically as we call them, of a PR company. Now, I can speak from my experience. Um, when when I started this company, I decided to 
um, set up a different business model. And the business model that we use is a, is a billing on a per-placement basis. So while most PR companies, and I think everyone will, you know, who knows who's worked with a PR company will agree, when you, um, when you go into a campaign, uh, start a campaign, what usually happens is that a business will pay a PR company a retainer fee, and they'll sit back and they'll hope they get the amount of um, time that is coming to them based on the amount, you know, based on the, the fee they paid. So at that time, 20 years ago, I, you know, was familiar enough with PR agencies and how they build, and I decided to bill our clients on a per-show basis or per-article um, uh, basis, just on a per-product basis. So nobody leaves our group feeling like they're holding an empty bag. So by comparison, um, you know, just kind of to answer your question, um, the way PR companies typically bill is on a retainer basis. And then speaking from my own experience, the way we bill uh, our clients is on a per-show basis, similar to an ad agency. You know, an ad agency bills on, you know, per ad or per 10 ads or per 30 seconds or so it's um you know they they bill based on on the actual product that the client's getting and we do the same it's pretty rare to find some you know a company that does that but that's how we um you know I think that's how we've maintained our clients um you know our clients they come and go they they build their business they sell their business but honestly, we're still working with some of the first clients we we um, started working with 20 years ago. Well, if it's and not too uh, uh, intrusive, if you get if you got my company on, let's say the Today Show, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is it does it vary by like national, local, um, TV, or, or yeah, or it the, does. Do you? Uh-huh. Uh, it definitely does. Yeah. Here's why. Yeah, it, it varies um, for two reasons. It varies because to to get a client onto a national TV show is much, you know, it, it takes much more time and it, it takes uh, a lot more strategy than getting you on, you know, a regional ABC, NBC, CBS TV show. So mm. it, so our billing fee is um, is generally twice as much for a national show. As for a local ABC, NBC, CBS interview on your regional, yeah, on your on your regional local area. Well, can I can I ask what a a, a, a regional te- telecast would would yeah. cost the client? Yeah, absolutely. I can give you our fees. Um, uh, the fee for a, a regional show is twelve fifty, one thousand two fifty. And the show is usually three to ten minutes. You know, like if you're watching a Good Morning show, um, um, it's you know it's magazine style, and they interview you, and they let you talk about your product, explain the benefits of it. The three, it's anywhere from three minutes to eight minutes. Sometimes it goes about ten minutes, but it's usually three to eight minutes in length, depending on you know how the show is produced. So a right. billing rate is one thousand two fifty for that type of a show, and the national shows 
are usually uh, double that. Okay. Now, um, in the brief minutes we have left, tell us about you're giving away a free campaign. We are. We are. We, you know, we try to give back to um, nonprofit organizations and, you know, businesses that are doing things to help people. So every quarter we try to choose a business or a company that we do, you know, that we just give something to, basically. And um, so usually we give back to nonprofits and environmental-type um, projects, but this time we decided uh, to run a uh, request, a, a contest, to give away a free publicity campaign to an innovative company or an innovative product. And um, so we're asking everybody who would like to um, have us review, you know, their innovative product for a free campaign um, to email us the info. And the value of the publicity campaign <clears throat> is, is in the neighborhood of $3,600. Um, so, you know, what we do for that is a TV show, a few radio shows, a press release, and distribution of a press release. And, you know, for publicity... That is that's a good couple of months worth of publicity. <clears throat> Sorry, I had we were having studio trouble. Uh, oh, there I am. Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Do you hear me? Good. Yeah, I can hear okay. you. Okay. Um, we we just have uh, one minute less. How do they re contact you? Oh, through our website or through our email. So our website is theprgroup.com. It's very simple. It's the name of our company, The PR Group. So it's theprgroup.com. Uh, they can email me at vickys at theprgroup.com also. V-I-C-K-I-S-E-S-A-M at theprgroup.com. And you can, you can send your company info, your product info. Do you have a supplement company, Don? Oh, uh, No. I just that used that example. as a hypothetical okay, because we used it earlier in the show. Okay, great. Great. Well, so our website is theprgroup.com. Uh, thank you, Vicki, for a very interesting pro uh, program, and we hope to get you back. Oh, perhaps thank some you, of your Donna. clients. Oh, that's great. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Okay. Have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. That, that was uh, Vicki Sothard of the PR Group. We want to thank you for listening uh, to this program, and, and we will be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. We're here every week at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard, Tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future shows, email them uh, Email them to me at dmazella at is-incorp.com. We would also like to remind visitors that besides our radio efforts, we have uh, online newsletters and our magazine, 
All of them are, you can find at smallbusinessdigest.net. Um, uh, for us and all of the people who make this show possible, I want to thank you and have a good day. <laughs>